Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. You can listen to us live on YouTube, usually Monday evenings around 6 and 8 p.m. Central Time, depending on our schedules. Uh, subscribe to us there as well. Click on the notification uh, if you want to know when we go live. Also check our social media platforms for when we go live as well as we announce it every time we do it. Uh, you can listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all your podcatchers. Uh, subscribe to the show, rate and review the show. We'll read your reviews on the air. And if you leave us a five-star review, we have some... 5k blu-rays available did i say 5k it's 4k right? <laughs> 5k is a race 5k is a race <laughs> <clears throat> it's the future uh well it's some 4k blu-rays for you uh my head is all sorts of messed up it's not even funny <laughs> that's what happens when you go to a slipknot concert <sighs> i feel better for that <laughs> <laughs> It's like if I do something for myself, I still get punished by losing brain cells, whatever. Uh, anyway, if you leave a five-star review, we do have some uh, 4K Blu-rays for you as well that have been given to us by various studios and distribution companies. Uh, Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to help support the podcast. We will be doing a bonus episode coming up here. Uh, I don't want to tell you what it's about yet in case we don't do it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get it done tomorrow <laughs> night. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, we also have several ones out there. We, we did music reviews. We have done uh, deep dives on A24. We've, we did a deep dive on I Spit on Your Grave. This next episode is going to be closer to that, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really curious how it turns out. If I hope we do it, I hope we find a way that we can all make it because I'm really excited about it. Uh, but we are. It, it, anyway, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, next episode, hopefully, we'll have more details on that. Patreon.com slash Critics Pod. The best way to get. The best way to support the podcast and to get yourself a credit on the show and, and some bonus podcasts you can't hear on a normal stream. And then our. Public merch is at our at ihatecritics.net. Click on the link in the right hand corner or go to tpublic.com and search critics pod. All right, make sure I got plenty of battery and I do. Let's first of all, I'm gonna get flick chart ready for later in the show. Just sorry about that. It's all right, and then <laughs> I will share my screen so we can start the episode. And let's lead things off with Bob's Burgers. All right. Bob's Burgers, the movie Bob's Burgers, uh, of course, based off of the Fox TV series and featuring the voices of Eugene Mervin and H. John Benjamin uh, and a host of terrific voice actors. Uh, this is, of course, a, a very funny show that's been on the air for now 11 seasons. I believe it's been renewed for like you know, 12 and 13. And uh, <laughs> I call this a delightfully inessential there's no real reason to make this movie but it exists and i'm glad that it does because it's very funny and i'm a fan and i think you have to be a bob's burgers fan to enjoy this if you're not 
there's I don't know why you would want to see this movie. <laughs> uh, the uh, story goes that uh, Bob and his family they own a burger shop in uh, uh, Eastern City. Uh, they uh, are constantly having money troubles, and they're having money troubles again when a giant sinkhole opens in front of their uh, a burger shop in, on what is supposed to be the busiest weekend of the year. And, of course, with them needing to make a lot of money to pay off the bank. Uh, wanting to solve this, uh, their youngest daughter uh, decides to uh, go into this uh, hole and see what she can find and try and figure out a way to uh, save the family. And in doing so, she uncovers a body that was in this hole. Uh, and that leads to a sort of a murder mystery plot where she and her uh, brother and sister try and find uh, who did this. And uh, it's all leading back to uh, Mr. Fish Owner, voiced by uh, Kevin Klein, uh, who's their landlord. And uh, Kevin Klein's best work has been on this show for the past 15 years, in case you've ever been wondering what Kevin, Kevin <laughs> Klein's been doing. He's been killing it on Bob's Burgers as a voice actor. Uh, he's hilarious, and he's absolutely hilarious in this. Uh, he, he's got a brother pl- voiced by Zach Galifianakis and the two of them together. They're just completely hysterical, just just trashing each other from beginning to end. That's great. Uh, but everything about this movie is pretty terrific. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm a huge Bob's Burgers fan anyway, and uh, I don't think the movie necessarily needed to exist, but I'm glad that it does. That's cool. I'm not... Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with the show. I've never really watched it. Uh, it's funny it's in 11 seasons and it's kind of like the new sh- cartoon show for adults because <laughs> the other ones are still getting renewed too which is insane yeah uh, that, that's cool that it's awesome though I'm glad to hear that I'm glad fans of the show will like it and uh, that's that's awesome always up for positive news yeah 18 and a half. 18 and a half is a strange movie. This posits the idea that somebody has ha- has gotten their hands on a recording of the missing 18 and a half minutes from the Watergate tapes, uh, where Nixon is alleged to have actually uh, shut off his recorder, but then there was another recorder going that actually did capture those 18 and a half minutes in which he talks about uh, all the terrible things that they were doing uh, with Watergate, uh, admitting that he, you know, planned it and that uh, the you know he put it all together for the break-in at the Watergate Hotel to uh, you know steal from the Democratic Party uh, the idea here is that a journalist is meeting up with this woman who works at the White House they are, uh, uh, she claims to have the tape she does in fact have the tape according to this story and uh, they end up stuck together in this hotel trying to find a, a, a recorder that can actually play uh, one of these tapes and uh, or this tape that she has. Uh, it, it's a weird movie. It's a, it's a really strange. Uh, the, we do hear the recording. Um, the recording is uh, featuring Bruce Campbell as the voice of Richard Nixon. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, doing just a, a pretty good Nixon impression. Uh, realize, what, meanwhile, the rest of the story is kind of a love story between this reporter and this woman, but uh, he's not who he says he is. And then there's this other couple who's in the hotel who may have been following them, who are certainly not who they have said that they are. Uh, and it gets kind of weird. There's a drug segment uh, or, or a drunk segment where everybody's getting very, very drunk. And uh, the conversation gets very angry about Nixon. And I, again, it's a very weird movie. And I don't quite understand what the point of it was in the end. Uh, it really just goes to some very odd places. 
and uh, it yeah, like I said, it pr- proceeds from something that doesn't exist, which are these eighteen and a half minutes. So these eighteen and a half minutes don't exist. We don't know what's on them. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, you're, if they did exist, the movie alone is that. You know, <laughs> you've added four or five things on top of that, <laughs> just in yeah. your description of it, and. Uh, I can't imagine keeping my interest throughout the whole thing. I mean, I haven't seen it, but based on where it seems to be going, it's just like mm-hmm. I could see my eyes going to my phone a lot more. But <laughs> uh, I'm just projecting on a movie I haven't seen. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell's not actually in the movie, just his, his voice. voice. So. And it didn't the only the, the most recognizable actor. Sorry? Go ahead. Well, who's the most recognizable actor? Uh, the the guy, one of the the white guy from uh, Cow. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, hearing Bruce Campbell's voice doesn't take you out of it at all. I mean, it sounds like he did a good job. No, like so you said, good. he did. He does a solid Nixon, and as long as I think if you know it's him going in, then it doesn't distract too much. All right. But the I mean, the most distracting is just the movie isn't very good. <laughs> yeah. All right, Benediction. Benediction is a very good movie uh, about. Uh, it stars Jack Loudon as a, as a man who a real life guy named Siegfried Sassoon, who is one of the uh, few people who ever criticized World War One. Uh, World War One is one of the most um, rem- you know positively remembered wars, I guess, if you will. It was one of the most bloody and violent, but most people supported And this was a guy who didn't, and he tried to speak out against it, and was prevented for the most part until after the war was over and that's when he became known as the war poet uh who uh you know wrote these incredibly vivid and and terrifying poems about the the horrors of war and trying to explain to people hey these things are pretty terrible all this stuff is pretty bad and we shouldn't be going to war uh even even in this situation that seems like it's a slam dunk uh where you know where britain is trying to you know prevent or try to protect itself from German aggression. Uh, he's still saying like these guys, basically what he was saying is that it's okay to fight this war, but the way we're fighting it is wrong because we just continuously throw poor people at bullets, essentially. Uh, that's the way they were fighting it. Is this just throw a bunch of poor people out on the front lines, throw them at the bullets and hope that they can stop the bullets from hitting the guys who are important. And that's basically what, what, uh, what Sassoon was saying. But on top of that, he comes back to England at a time when uh, being gay is outlawed. Being gay in, in England is against the law until like 1965. So he's dealing with coming back from the war and being gay, but he's rich, so he can be kind of out. So he starts dating Ivor Novello, this well-known English actor, and the two are kind of carrying about uh, rather openly, uh, considering you know the, the illegality of what they're doing. And he has multiple relationships like this, and he's kind of a hedonist uh, in that way, but he finds no comfort in that. He, you know, he finds no comfort in his art. He finds no comfort in having these relationships and having all this sex with various different men. So he just gives that up and decides to get married, figuring that might be the answer. So he marries a woman uh, and to kind of hide in the closet and give up on that life. And the rest of the movie is about him uh, as an adult played by Peter, an older adult played by Peter Capaldi, who has reached a point where he's just he's ready to give up everything and and uh, believe in god and start going to church and uh give up uh everything at that point and it, it's really an amazing 
story of how they make that into a dramatic arc because you wouldn't think that's a very it sounds like a very internal journey but they make it so vivid in the way that Jack Loudon portrays Sassoon and the way that Peter Capaldi just looks like the saddest human being on the planet you kind of you're definitely buying in that this is a guy who is at the end of his rope who found no pleasure find no pleasure in anything anymore and thinks that the only way he'll ever find hope is starting to believe in God and turning to a church that would absolutely turn him away or turn him into, you know, put him in prison, help to put him in prison if they knew who he really was. Yeah, this is, you know, similar to eight and a half, 18 and a half, where you keep adding on to it. This one, as you're adding on what it go, where it goes, gets more and more interesting to me. Uh, <laughs> and I would... I mean, this is something I definitely want to see. Uh, it just sounds like a totally fascinating movie. Uh, it really is. Uh, the, the shift in time, even the, you know, the they open with Capaldi and then they cut back to Loudon and then you'll see the Capaldi story come back in a little bit and it really rises and falls like this wonderful uh, symphony of emotions. What's the best part of it? Is it the acting or is it the story or a combination of the two? It's a combination of the two, yeah. Like uh, the, the, I think the way it just slowly reveals itself, then when you're really getting down to the ending, and you're like, you're realizing just what what journey he's on. Uh, I, I just, I sat and thought about this movie for like three days after I watched it, just kind of mulling it over about uh, the way that they reveal him and the way he reveals himself over over the course of the film. It's really impressive. Yeah. On top of which, the they they have these remarkable. Uh, set sections early on where you hear his poetry read over the top of images of some of the most horrifying, gross, disgusting things that happened in World, in World War One, And it just kind of underlines his point about how uh, the way that they were fighting that war. Now, again, he was not necessarily opposed to protecting England from German aggression. He was opposed to the idea that we're just going to continue to throw these poor people out there on the front lines and keep throwing them at the Germans until we run out of people uh, and, and hopefully Germany runs out first. Uh, that was the, really the way that they were fighting the war. And, it, and the war was also being planned by very rich, very important people who weren't on the front lines, who were making all these calls without even considering, you know, what these poor people were going through on the front lines. Sounds like a lot of wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm definitely, just fascinated by the whole idea. I mean, as I get older, just the more, just how weird the human brain is, and you know, so, you know, it just sounds like the struggles that he goes through are just fairly, you know, I don't know, it, it just interesting to me, and uh, I, I just I, I love going down that rabbit hole and watching that those experiences play out in movies. Uh, uh, it was some of my favorite things to watch, so I can't wait to check this one out. Uh, I highly recommend it. This is this is great. Terrence Davies is an, uh, an amazing director, and he's done an incredible job with uh, Benediction. Awesome. Looking forward to that one. The Phantom of the Open. The Phantom of the Open is the story of the worst golfer ever. <laughs> there's, there's this guy... All uh, right, and you may have read about him in Sports Illustrated years ago. Uh, many people did, where he snuck into the British Open kind of by accident. He was was getting fired from his job. He had a kind of a nice pension, so he wasn't. And his wife still had a job, so he kind of had a lot of time on his hands. And he figured out what he wanted to do one night when he was watching golf, and he saw 
the British Open. He's like, hey, I, I'd like to play the British Open. He'd never played golf before in his life, but he liked the look of it. So he starts to practice a little bit, and uh, he sends a letter that says that he's part of this uh, prestigious uh, golf club because he wants to be. He says he, that's where he wants to golf as part of this uh, high-end club. Uh, they're not going to have him there, but he's nevertheless, in the letter he sends to the British Open, he says he's going to be a member and that uh, he's a professional. And uh, it's a misunderstanding. He's not lying. It's just a misunderstanding of his intentions. They allow him in and he actually plays in the British Open and has the worst round in history. But from there, he's so excited about playing the British Open that he decides to co- keep coming back every year and finding different names and different ways to get into the British Open. <laughs> and it's it's very funny. And uh, he became this legend, this icon in in Britain and eventually around the world. There's now a, there's been a yearly uh golf tournament in Michigan dedicated to him uh for the worst golfer in America and it's dedicated to this guy. Uh and Mark Rylance is really funny at, at this. He does a tremendous job of of making you just love this guy. He's so lovable. Uh, he's got such a, just such a wonderful sense of humor and uh, at first not realizing how bad he is and not recognizing how bad he is and then kind of understanding that he's bad but still wanting to, to do it and still uh, in the various funny ways he finds to get in. He got in several times under various aliases. Each time is funnier than the last. Uh, then you've got Sally Hawkins who grounds the whole thing and just her absolute brilliance i mean there's nothing that sally hawkins can't do she's somewhat sidelined in this story it's kind of a too small role for somebody who's as awesome as she is but she still nevertheless uh, impresses and kind of holds down the whole movie overall from being a little bit too uh twee if you will a little bit too too uh too cute uh she she's very she's not She's not a downer. She's not a bummer. She's in on the she's in on the jokes, and she's just as charming as everybody else. But she's the realist. You know, she's the one who just kind of gives it gravity. And uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I I have a problem with Mark Rylance. Uh, he beat Stallone for the Oscar uh, in Creed, <laughs> and I just can't like it bothers me, and it it just makes me not like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> probably the most likable guy in like the history of movies <laughs> most of his roles uh but he's like an amazing actor in that too uh but even in ready player one he's good and that's a terrible movie <laughs> it's, it's a efficient movie i guess it's not, but no i just i don't know it's one of those things where you just i know josh had the guys he hated and in hindsight some of the times <laughs> he was right but uh I don't know. I can't do it yet. Maybe. I mean, I, he was in a movie that was pretty good recently. I can't remember what it was. The Outfit? I don't know. What was The Outfit? It's a spy, or not a spy movie. A, or is it a spy movie? It's a mob movie? No, it's on Peacock now. Oh, I don't remember. I thought it was a bigger movie than that. But anyway, Perhaps, yeah. I don't remember. Uh, but I just look at this poster and I just I want to swing at the club, and the guy did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> People just voted for him over somebody else. That was it. <laughs> uh, on a show, no less, it was super racist to begin with because it was like no black people nominated. Just and, and I still. <laughs> anyway, yeah. 
I'm admitting to being wrong, but it's still hard to let it go. Uh, Neptune Frost. Neptune Frost is uh, from uh, a directing team that includes uh, musician Saul Williams, who's this brilliant uh, musician slash poet. And the whole thing is told in a poetic style. It's a sci-fi film set in Africa, and uh, it's about uh, people working in a mine who end up breaking away from that mine and they find this place in between universes perhaps or in between reality and unreality uh, where they begin to hack the world uh, using various different forms of primitive technology they actually find a way to start to hack the entire world and this whole thing is just incredible in, in terms of just the artistry and imagination of it the design of it is gorgeous it's very odd you have to really try and pick up on the strange speech patterns and uh, that are taking place. On top of which, it's all in uh, in, in a different dialect. Uh, but so even though you're watching the 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 subtitles, and it's the subtitles are in this strange order, like the way that they greet each other is is unusual. Uh, everything everything about the way they talk is unusual. But it it all is making this larger point about corporations that have been in Africa and taking, th- taking things from Africa and, you know, like every cell phone in the, every cell phone in the world basically is born in Africa. Uh, the various pieces that are needed to make a, a microchip are all there and they're all in mines where people are working 15, 16, 17 hour shifts for no money whatsoever. It's about the exploitation of the workers there and how people feel it's okay to exploit them uh i would say uh how it just because it doesn't get any attention uh this movie is good about that while also being just this brilliant work of art it's also a musical it's got this brilliant musical score that uh, saul williams uh does that's just absolutely amazing uh and it's also got some ideas about uh, about gender because the the binary gets talked about and of course you know non-binary binary uh, there's a the lead character is trans. Uh, one of the lead characters is trans, and uh, we see we see as a man early on, and then as a woman uh, after a bit of magic. Which is a very it's a very unusual scene, but everything about this movie is very unusual and very very watchable. Uh, it's very watchable. Uh, as strange as it is, it's such a gorgeous movie and such a bold idea that uh, you really can't take your eyes off it while you're watching it. I was actually going to, where I was going to talk is usually what, up until the last, what you just said being watchable, uh, it seems like a movie like this I'd want to see in a theater that would allow me to keep my attention to it mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with dogs and kids and a weird that would be, light. It would be a little hard. Yeah. <laughs> a light coming in off the window that's putting a, 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 you know, that's shining on the TV screen so I can't see everything the way I want to see it. I, it seems like one of those where I, I personally, with my attention span, wouldn't be able to get as much out of it at home as I would in a theater. Uh, but yeah. it sounds amazing. It sounds really, really fascinating. And I, uh, I mean, again, a movie about a lot of different things. Uh, yeah. But I'm interested in all of them. So uh, I, 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 and it just drives me nuts that. Like if I could, I would have gone to the theater probably to see something like this this week. <laughs> this is uh, the kind of movie I wish could be in theaters, but right. You know, it, but I'd be we the need only fifteen one. screens for Top Gun. Right, and I might get <laughs> unless we're in the same theater at the same time. 
you know, maybe the two of us see it two different times, but that's about all you're going to get. Yeah. Maybe one or two other people, but I don't know. That's, it sounds really, really fascinating. I hope I get a chance to check it out sometime in the right mindset. It is, it is very odd and it's going to end kind of divisive. Like, like I said, a lot of people don't have the attention span uh, to to really invest in paying attention to what they're saying because again it is very odd how it's said it's very poetic it's a poetic style of speech so that can be a little bit off-putting for some it's all about the mindset when you watch it and i would yeah if i get you a gotta dedicate to yourself it, to it i'm gonna try to make sure i all the lights off everybody leave me alone and i can <laughs> there you go just get away and do it all right. It's in limited release right now, and I think it'll be in uh, streaming release later this month. Excellent. Uh, you've all been waiting for it. Uh, we made your way a week. <laughs> and then we made your way half an hour into the podcast. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick stars Tom Cruise as Maverick. Uh, he's <laughs> uh, back to his old ways of flying planes. Uh, I actually, I'm I'm being flippant, but I actually really enjoyed this. This is a really good movie. Uh, Tom Cruise is the the ultimate movie star, and he's really in movie star mode here. He really uh, matures this character in a way that it desperately needed because you know I hate the original, uh, and this is so much this is so much of an improvement. It takes that character that I didn't like and removes all of the cringe and <laughs> creates a mo- character I do like now. Uh, Maverick is uh, returning to Top Gun to be an instructor for the next generation of uh, Top Gun pilots, which also includes the son of uh, of his ex uh, partner, his ex flying partner. Um, try, why can't I remember his name now? Anthony Edwards' character, Goose. Goose, yeah, uh, Rooster, played by Miles Teller, uh, and uh, he's got a lot of resentment towards Maverick for various different reasons. Not because he, not necessarily because of his dad's death. There's other there's other aspects to it that they introduced that make it make sense. Uh, there's also just a, a wonderful role from Jennifer Connelly, and that's really where this movie got me. It's like I, as much as I as the the, fl- the flying scenes are incredible and the, you know, very realistic and just exciting to watch. The stuff that really surprised me was the character stuff. The romance between him and Jennifer Connelly is really hot. It's really sexy, but it's also like really underpinned by the amount of history that they're able to get into just a few lines of dialogue and a few, you know, shared glances. It's really something what they're capable of doing. And the chemistry between Jennifer Connelly and Tom Cruise is off the charts. They just seem to really enjoy being in scenes together. And they just communicate that romance endlessly to me. I was really surprised how well they did the character stuff. That and the the scene that he has with Val Kilmer uh, is a, is a great scene. It's actually genuinely emotional when you're watching that. And, uh, I wouldn't expect that, given, again, I didn't think there was much to the Iceman character or the Maverick character in the original film. But the, this this movie manages to make that feel uh, like there's a lot of depth there. Because, again, the script is very smart about uh, layering in all this, you know, the 30 years plus of history uh, that, you know, during that time, these guys really developed their friendship. They really did go out of their way to to give us a, a backstory between them, to, to develop that a little bit more. And what you know, Iceman meant to Maverick's career over that time and meant to his life over that time. I was really impressed by the script. I was really impressed by the action and by the characters. I was really surprised how good this is. 
when I started hearing more about the Val Kilmer stuff, I got more interested in it. Uh, that said, my hatred of the first one is somehow rubbed off on the rest of my family. Like, I don't even really talk about it. I think I said I hated it once. To the point where my son doesn't want to see it because I hated the first one. My daughter wouldn't go see because I hated the first one. And, and it, again, I don't. It's hate's not the right word because it's so inconsequential to me. It's like I don't even care that it exists. It's just kind of <laughs> like whatever. You guys like this weird, you know, cheesy eighties action movie. It's mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of dumb and lame. But I don't care. You know, it's like Star Wars bugs me because I don't get it. But Top Gun, I'm like, who gives a fuck? But for whatever reason, uh, that was I, – I couldn't get anybody to go with me, and I was – so I never did see it. I probably will because I am genuinely curious about the Val Kilmer stuff. Uh, now that you mentioned Jennifer Connelly stuff, that's even better. I've always loved her. And have they ever done a movie together before? I don't think so. I don't think they've ever done a movie it together. It makes me – based on your review alone, makes me wish they'd do like a real movie together, like a you know a true – art house drama something just you know a performance cool. type of a movie versus an action film uh, that seems like would be amazing and I, i've been missing that from tom cruise for a long time uh he has no reason to do that but because <laughs> he knocks out of the park on these i just don't care that much uh did she play a new character in this movie or yeah that's cool yeah it's a it's a new character the kelly mcgillis character is long gone she's not even mentioned in the movie but uh yeah, this is a new character, but they, like I said, they, the dial, they don't do a lot of, they don't do a big exposition dump. They just do uh, some conversations where it's very obvious these two people know each other and they've got a history together. Uh, she doesn't trust him initially, and there's a lot of, there's a little bit of fun tension. They've got a great scene where she kind of, you know, humiliates him a little bit, which is kind of great, which is far better than that, uh, that uh, bar scene for the original. I, I feel and I uh, just it oh, goes yeah. much better I think this in this version than that version um but I, like I said everything about this movie is so much better than the original uh Jennifer Connelly my god she's gorgeous she's just gotten better and better as years go on she's I she's amazing looking oh yeah I mean and she's a, on top of that she's a fantastic actress and then I mean the way she started out her career and the where she's gone from there is pretty impressive uh and i I mean i don't know i I love watching her and things and hopefully i I mean just simply based on what you said i'd love to see them do a jerry Maguire like movie uh that's outside of this action world which again nothing against it this sounds like this does everything it's supposed to do and then some yeah Uh, and i probably will see it like i said but uh, that does make me excited for something that may never happen. <laughs> uh, and our mini classic, we do have two classics this week. Uh, and they were going to be the same two classics last week. This isn't because we missed a week. Right. Uh, but, I mean, there's only so much you can say about Top Gun that we haven't already yeah. said. But Top Gun is a classic. Uh, Did you watch it again? Yes. I just don't care, man. It's so... <laughs> Like, I would rather watch, like, uh, and it's, you know, the fact that Hot Shots exist makes me just want to watch that instead. (laughs) And I get this was a different time, and what was cool then isn't cool anymore, and 
uh, and I didn't really watch it as a kid. I, I mean, I it wasn't until I was older. I think I might have watched it for the first time with this podcast. I mean, it had been on. My dad oh. watched it a lot, but I never like sat and watched it. And uh, I just, you know, it, it might as well be a video game from the eighties. You know, I just oh. it's a cool soundtrack, I guess. But I don't know. I, I would still rather do Hot Shots. Did it get the, better the for best- you? <laughs> No, no, I hate this movie. I hate it more now than I did before. Uh, I think I was more indifferent to it last time, and now because I've seen the new one, I hate it even more because the new one is so very, very good. Um, watching it this time, I just felt I just couldn't get over how broy it is. It's so broy, and I just hate that. I hate the energy. I hate that that ma- the overly masculine energy that that feel that necessity to constantly you know whip your dick out kind of energy. Uh, it's just so prevalent throughout this movie. The best thing I got out of this actually was it inspired me to watch this uh, YouTube video about uh, about how many laws Tom Cruise's character broke in this movie. And according to the law, based on what he did throughout the movie, uh, all the orders he contravened and buzzing the tower and you know risking his plane as he did, he would be executed. <laughs> Really, <laughs> a marine lawyer. A marine lawyer is like, yeah, no, I, he broke this law. This law, actually, based on what he just did there, he would be executed. <laughs> he like gives out uh, like information that he's not supposed to to Kelly McGillis's character, which he can get court martialed for. Like, it's very funny. Uh, it's a legal eagle on YouTube. If you want to check it out, it was very, very funny. What needs and to happen? Really- what needs to happen is Danny McBride and the other guy who did the Halloween movies needs to make the true Top Gun Part Two and go that direction. Obviously, you can't do. Well, I guess you probably could do Tom Cruise. He looks the same. It's ridiculous. Uh, but it's <laughs> so ridiculous. But just do you know two young actors? Yeah, I don't know. Just recast it and <laughs> do it that way. <laughs> Probably can't He's just on that. the run from jail the entire time. <laughs> Eventually they catch him and execute him. That's how it exactly. ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, this is it was it's not miserable. So I didn't, you know, at least at the very least it is not miserable, but it is not it's not fun. Well, and it's <laughs> a different kind of broy too. It's like eighties broy and it's Yeah. Which we were there for when we were kids. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just doesn't. <laughs> just so lame, I guess, is where I would. I, but people I, love it. That's our age. So I don't know. What am I? What do I, I, do, I that 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 you've lost your that love and feeling scene is so cringe. <laughs> I just I the secondhand embarrassment I feel watching that. <laughs> I just oh my god! If I saw somebody do that in a bar, I'd get up and leave because that's how uncomfortable I would be. And the worst part is it's like because this movie exists, you probably could see that now and now you're just going to hate the person and it's not cringy. It's just like you're such a loser. <laughs> Reminds me of those guys who wanted to fight after they saw Rocky. <laughs> like they're just, just embarrassing themselves in the parking lot throwing terrible punches. All Rocky <laughs> 4 made me want to do his workout. I should watch that more often because it's not working now. <laughs> Your next house, just get a barn <laughs> and some big tires. My next house is I'm downsizing like a motherfucker. It's not even funny. <laughs> I'm so busy, never home, and 
everybody's busy. It's just like, why do we even care? Let's just, I don't know. Eh, that's, no one else cares. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but what we do care about is uh, David Cronenberg, and we watch, is it Shivers? Shivers, yes. Although there's, it's been under many, many different titles. Orgy of the Blood Parasites, the, the Blood Parasites. Yeah, <laughs> I like Shivers though. I think it's a title. I think it's pretty cool. Oh, for I, sure. I love, I love everything about this movie. This is David Cronenberg's first uh, feature-length film uh, from 1976, I believe it is, uh, and it tells the story of this uh, this very odd apartment building in Canada that is on an island. It's uh, an hour away from typical civilization, uh, and. What I found watching this is that Cronenberg is just this savant director. Like, he just knows what to do from day one. The only thing, like, you might notice in this movie, like, some awkwardness because he's got a bunch of amateur actors. But as a director, the choices that he makes are so smart. The the cutting from one scene to the next is so brilliant uh, that really the opening scene just is this just this voiceover uh presentation about what this apartment building is and then that slowly melts into this couple that you think might be your protagonist but they're not uh but they're going to this apartment building and they're going to be introduced to the manager to sign their lease to become part of this place uh meanwhile their scene is being intercut with this scene where this guy is committing this horrific murder upstairs uh, at this apartment building where he's murdering this young girl uh and it's just it's the cutting between those two scenes and the energy is so strong uh, and and visually exciting and and really I just was blown away watching this movie just how how smart it is and considering there's elements of this that look like it's just like potentially a per, a porno like there's a porno aesthetic to it in many ways but uh, at the same time the the horror stuff I think and the body horror especially wins out uh, in this movie I wrote an article about this that was all about. The, the, what I think the actual theme is. And the actual theme is bodily autonomy. Because what happens is that there's these uh, these doctors created this parasite that they intended to be something that would be good for the body, that could maybe replace damaged organs. But what it actually does is uh, latch onto the human body and turn up the sex drive, essentially, to perpetuate itself. So it causes people to go into a sexual frenzy. Uh, and and try and from there, obviously passing on the parasite from one person to the next, and the parasite kind of evolving as it goes. And really, what it's about is about taking away somebody's choice. It's taking away your bodily autonomy, your ability to make a decision about whether or not you want to be part of what's happening. Uh, and it's kind of like a, it's an outside entity taking away your rights, taking away your ability to say no. Uh, and in that way, I was kind of comparing it to what the government does to us specifically but specifically women and taking away their bodily autonomy telling people what they can do with their body and what they can't uh, and so in that way it feels very modern it's got a very modern theme uh, because that really is i think an intentional theme the idea that this thing comes into your body uh without your without your wanting it there and forces you to do things that you would not normally do uh under the circumstances i think that's i think that's a really strong theme that runs throughout this movie and on top of which, then you just got amazing body horror. Just the, the, the way this parasite comes out of the mouth and goes into somebody else's mouth or the way that you get these just people just uh, friend in a sexual frenzy attacking other people and passing this parasite on. 
it, it's terrifying and, and weird and uh, exciting and, and the body count is relatively small considering because it's kind of like a zombie movie at certain points right. and yet it's 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 zombie sex as opposed to zombies which again is such a clever twist on 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 that genre so i mean everything about this movie is just fucking brilliant and it just shows that cronenberg from day one it has been incredible behind a camera yeah there's only a handful of directors that you know use that savant word that they just know what to do like every time you know tarantino you know him ari aster uh you know and there is more uh, robert eggers and i'm just those are the recent guys but you know then you look at the guys that are good that but they don't always like sam raimi who doesn't know you know it's and carpenter and all these guys it's really kind of I, i just i can't believe that I've kind of up until the last five years, maybe however long we've been doing this, the Cronenberg heavy stuff on the podcast, you know, for me, it was always history of violence and Eastern promises. That was Cronenberg to me. I never went back and looked at the other stuff and it's, and you see it on the shelves next to nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th and every other horror movie there is. And it's insane to me that, they're even mentioned in the same breath or the fact that this probably isn't even mentioned when those yeah. are being mentioned. This, there's such a genius to it. The artistic level is insane. And it really wasn't, it was even Kristen Stewart talking about when the people were walking out of the theater, the newest one, the way she worded is not, she didn't even, I don't know if she wanted to call it gore, but she called it like, and like an artistic thing, you know, an artistic, I don't even know how she worded it. Mm-hmm. Doing a poor job. Look it up. But what she said yeah. is really smart because it helped shape this movie for me and the other stuff. It's truly a work of art. What he's doing. It's really impressive. The body horror stuff, and it's not. It's not corny, and it's not made for laughs. It, it's just. It's. It's uncomfortable. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's uh, and yeah. impressive at the same time. It, it, yeah. It, it, it never. At no point is it like fun, uh, mm-hmm. but it's fucked up, and you know the. The sex scenes in this were like messed up, and mm-hmm. in a lesser movie, you know, it's you know softcore porn, and here it's uh, at no point. I don't think you can really enjoy it as much as be intrigued by it, you know. And yeah. that's what you know. Anytime you go back to the '80s, and we have to watch these movies, there's always a part of me that's just like, okay. <laughs> You know, I, I you know now that we know we know it, mm. some of the, sometimes this can be uncomfortable, and this is not one of those movies where I'm uncomfortable. Or I'm uncomfortable for different reasons, not for right. just <laughs> not holding up. It, it's just so like, how do these? How do we miss these? How do they not? Right? <laughs> it, it's insane to me. Uh, yeah. and I know there are people that are preaching Cronenberg, but not to the level of you know some of the guys I mentioned, Tarantino. You know, everybody knows who that is, mm-hmm. but this. Uh, it's insane to me how a movie like this is hardly ever talked about. I didn't know about this until you told me about it, you know, and this is fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. It really is. There's this wonderful scene in this movie that is just entirely uh, visual. Like one of the first characters who gets the parasite, he is uh, returned to his apartment. He's very ill. He's uh, obviously got this thing inside of him. Uh, he he starts to convulse. He gets up. He goes to the bathroom, and he's he's vomiting. But 
instead of hearing that familiar sound of what vomit would sound like hitting the bottom of a tub, all you hear is this slap. And then he stands up and he's got the blood on him and he's got blood on his pants. And Cronenberg keeps the camera low and keeps the focus on the blood. He wants you to see the blood. He wants you to know this guy threw up blood. And so he's focused on that, this bloody towel. The guy walks off the frame and then we go into the bathroom. And what we see is this relatively small and thin amount of blood, but just this tiny little trail going to the drain to let us know that something came out of this guy. That little plop we heard was something coming out of this guy and going down that drain. And where is it going to go next? Uh, That's really just such a clever piece of direction and a wonderful piece of editing. Uh, it just uh, it's, it just centers everything beautifully and uh, it kind of sets you up. And then, then he just goes, falls out, and the next scene is him throwing up another one onto, onto a woman's um, umbrella outside, which is like, again, that's a wonderful piece of shock, shock theater. I just, I just loved that. Everything about this movie is just so great. And he, I mean, he's a guy that's never chasing popularity he, he's making what he, his vision what he wants to do he's doing it you know under an umbrella where he can no no pun intended where he can control everything he wants to do and his vision is seen as far as i can tell to the fullest and that that just makes me like him that much more even if you took out what you said you know the right to you know, we lose the right to choose, you know, mm-hmm. it, even if that wasn't what he was going for, it still works on, yeah. on a non creepy level. And again, the proper creepy level, but you know, it, it, it's just such a work of art that, you know, I never would have thought I would look back at him like that and called it work of art. Cause it was just, you know, it's gory, it's body horror, but it really is. It really is uh, a work of art. And I just find that so impressive. And I just, I'm so happy that I can't wait to do the next one and I can't wait to see his new movie. It's like I'm looking every week yeah. and on the numbers like, is it this time? Oh. <laughs> right. Oh, for same. sure. Like Jurassic Park and oh nope. Just Jurassic <laughs> World. Uh so I, I can't I, wait. I was so excited that I had to sit down and watch rabies. <laughs> so I did. I've already watched rabies because I was just too excited to I actually watched rabies and his drag racing movie. <laughs> Is he disappointed yet? The drag racing movie is not very good, but uh, the the uh, the rabies is pretty amazing. Yeah, I. And that one stars uh, that one stars porn star Marilyn Chambers. Well, and I have heard directors casting porn stars because it makes it less uncomfortable to ask them to do certain things. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, but again, at no point do I watch this and just be like, oh, that was a bad choice. You know, everything about it was just along for the, like, it, he pulls me right out of that mindset, and it was just kind of like, where the fuck do you come up with this idea? Like, how messed up are you? But in a good, like, in a good way. That Yeah, he just sees the world is, just a little bit differently. And then I don't know if Ivan Reitman actually produced it or they put his name on it later on, but... <laughs> No, I think he was a. They were, he was like they a were sound friends. designer or something like that. Yeah, on it for they sure. were friends, and uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I can't. It was on Tubi. You have to watch it with commercials, but it, it's worth it. Absolutely, uh, and Rabies is on there as well. 
might be something I'll have to do as well in my <laughs> spare time. I, I'm just uh, excited to just watch every Cronenberg movie now. I just want to go through them all. Uh, I, I want to watch The Fly again because I like I've never been I've never been able to really really invest in The Fly because right. I get so grossed out by that movie that I just kind of I tune out at a certain point. So, but that was years ago, so maybe I With I might be able to context, watch it. Now. You might, yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of uh-huh. want. I've always heard Naked Lunch is weird. Yeah, I definitely want to see that and uh, Dead Ringers. I want to see yeah. Dead Ringers for sure. It's amazing too to look back on the brood and shivers and uh, rabies and realize that Scanners is not his, not even remotely one of his best movies. Like Scanners is one of his lesser movies. <laughs> and that's one of the more popular ones from that era. Yeah, well, everybody knows it because the head explosion. But that's like the rest right. of that movie isn't isn't very isn't great. Uh, it's okay. Uh, it doesn't do quite as well as this or the brood, which I think the brood is pretty amazing too. Video drone, that was good. That yeah, probably video drone, biggest from that era, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I. This is gonna be fun. I can't wait to keep doing it. Uh, next week we've got Jurassic World Dominion. Is that what it's called, or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Hustle will be on Netflix. We skipped it for this week, so we could all watch it. Sean's gonna watch a movie called W Y R M, or is that a word? Worm. Yeah, worm. I think it's called Worm. Uh, and you're also going to watch the classic movie Tales of Hoffman. Yeah, I didn't want you to. I didn't want to subject you to that one, <laughs> unless you really want to. It is Paul and Pressburger. It's Scorsese's favorite directors, but it's a. It is a movie opera ballet, <laughs> which I didn't know if you'd be into that or not. Probably depends on the mood. Uh, if you said it's ter- incredible. Uh, and it's good, they're getting a it's getting a new a brand new Criterion release tomorrow, uh, so I've got my my review going up uh, t- tomorrow hopefully to to accompany that. But our classic is going to be Welcome to the Dollhouse, uh, nineteen. And we're gonna and we're gonna watch Rabies. <laughs> Don't get to ask me twice. Uh, ninety two. We probably will skip over again next week. But Class Act, Patriot Games, and House Sitter. I like class act. I've always liked class act. Is that the one with Brad Pitt? I thought it was Kid and Play. Oh, you're right. Brad Pitt was in another one, probably even earlier than that. Class <laughs> something or other. Yeah, Cutting Class. Cutting Class, I was right. Uh, yeah, I did like class act with Kid and Play. I, used to, I loved their movies as a kid. House Party and House Party 2 and Class Act, yeah. Yeah, I guess who opened for a Slipknot? Cypress Hill. I mean, it's not kid and play, <laughs> but it was fucking awesome. <laughs> it's just like, I remember 93. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow, what a combination. It, it really was pretty cool. And then they closed with uh, the House of Pain song, Jump Around. It was just a, it was a nice nostalgia show. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Let's go run through some flick chart real quick before my battery dies. All if, right. If it dies really, really fast, I'll restart it because <laughs> we we shorted you in a whole episode last week. <laughs> uh, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, or Monsters Ball? Monsters Ball. Yes. King of Chinatown or Bolt? Don't know that one. Neither do I. Clueless Bolt. Clueless. Absolutely. 
Predator, the greatest action movie of all time. Is this? You know what this is? I don't know. I don't know that one. Predator or Psycho, <laughs> the remake. <laughs> the remake. Yeah, it's a, it's Predator, I guess. Yeah. Since uh, it's not Hitchcock's Psycho. Yeah, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice. That's tough for me, not for I you. Know it's, <laughs> Star Wars: The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Oh, uh, I'm with Last Jedi. Uh, I love Batman vs Superman. I'm I'm a fan of that film, but I, I like The Last Jedi a little bit more. I'll do that. Just uh, one, it pisses off the other Star Wars fans. <laughs> I did like that, but there's enough. For the Martha scene alone, I'll go with the Star Wars movie. I, it, it works enough; like I uh-huh. can get behind it. But yeah, that is a little bit like really. <laughs> Jackass the movie Castaway. I know Castaway is a better movie, but I would rather watch Jackass the movie. <laughs> See, I don't know that it is. I know the performance is great, but I don't think the, I don't really like the movie. I. I don't the know. movie goes on a bit. It goes yeah. on a bit. Jackass is tighter. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> is that what we're going with? I'm going with Jackass the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, room, Fast Food Nation. Room, Fast Food Nation is such a disappointment. That's overrated. Or was it oh. overrated or was it one that we had a bunch of hype going in and it had a, it had a little bit of hype, but then people kind of started to see it, and it just went away really quickly yeah. because uh, it was not good. Speaking of not good, but, I mean the, the book is not something that lended itself to having a, a narrative feature. You know, it was a it was a very dry book, right? Uh, Fast Food Nature, and then trying to turn it into a narrative feature with Richard Linklater it just it just did not work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that wasn't, but I mean, back to Cronenberg, like my brother read Naked Lunch in college. And I've never read it. And he goes, I don't know how, like, it's not a book you're supposed to make into a movie. Uh, <laughs> but somehow Cronenberg did. You know, it's kind of like what adaptation was. Only I'm curious how the movie, I, like, I have no idea where it even, I don't even, I'm just totally blind and clueless going into it. So I can't wait to have that experience whenever we have a chance to do that one. Provided Absolutely. it's available. Uh, back to bad movies. The Pink Panther 2006, Battle of Los Angeles 2011. Good God. Uh, do, do, do I shoot myself or hang myself? Um. <laughs> I would shoot myself. It's quicker. So you're going with the Pink Panther? Yes. <laughs> uh, I wasn't Fair sure, enough. I wasn't sure how you were going to place the two. <laughs> uh, God Bless America, The X-Files. Um, what is yeah, God like, I appreciate America? God Bless America because I, I, I do think it, it comes close to achieving what it wants. Whereas I think The X-Files is a very entertaining uh, adaptation of that TV show. Where are you going? Uh, I don't remember God. I know I've seen God Bless America, but I can't remember it. And I was never an X-Files fan, so I never watched the movie. So I'll just go wherever you want to go. <laughs> I'm going to go with the X-Files. Like I said, God Bless America is so close to achieving what it's supposed, what it wants to. It's a Bobcat Goldthwait directed film and it's uh, very violent and strange. And, uh, but it, it just comes up a little short of the overall point that it wants to make. Yeah, he did that a lot. Whereas movies, 
are like you think they're going to be good and there's some good in them but they never quite land like some of the his at the very least i think he's more in he's he's a director i appreciate even when his ideas are come up short they're better ideas than oh, yeah. most other people have but it, it, i guess it would remind me of like idiot uh what is that idiocracy movie where it's like the idea is great but it never quite yeah. lands uh but he, he's more original and more punk rock i guess if that for lack of a better word yeah uh, ted, ted the rock ted oh i enjoy the rock yeah I'm not a huge mcfarland fan but ted's pretty funny the net michael the net yeah ted starship troopers <laughs> ted i hate starship troopers if ted was bad i would have been <laughs> I did watch Lost City. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Pigs and Battleships, a Brady Bunch movie. I don't really know what I else don't, to say about it. I don't know what the Pigs and Battleships, I don't know that one. Uh, the Devil's Advocate, the Brady Bunch movie. Brady Bunch, I guess. I don't really care about either of those movies. Yeah, the Devil's Advocate. While I liked it, I'm also really disappointed by it. Like with that cast at the time, with the age I was, that should have been, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted that to be basically what I wanted Copland to be and what I wanted Heat to be. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all three of them were never, were none of that. At least yeah. Heat was fun for me. Uh, the English Patient, the Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Burning. Yes. Because it's not four hours long and feels like homework. <laughs> Speaking of homework, Watchmen and. 50 50 is a great movie yes watchman is homework though i do like i like it okay but i, mm. I don't want to ever watch it again i actually literally I did that. homework to watch the movie i read the comic book and <laughs> it was yeah. a fun week it takes a lot yeah death race get smart get smart yes kingpin blood simple blood simple yeah, I love Kingpin. I Kingpin's too, hilarious. It's the Cronin Cohen brothers. Let's yeah, call them the Cronin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Commando Vertigo. Vertigo by a lot. Are you sure? Yeah. Deadpool say anything? Deadpool. Oh wow! I thought you were gonna be flipping on that one. Uh, I, I love say anything, but yeah, Deadpool is hilarious. Yeah, My Girl, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, my Girl. Yes. His glasses. <laughs> he needs his glasses. <laughs> I just love doing that because I'm triggering somebody in the audience. <laughs> I, I mean, like there's, there's somebody in the audience just starts tearing when I do that. But it's literally, I mean, and I know she thinks of it this way, but it's the same as the I'm so excited from Say by the Bell. <laughs> that, that's her I'm so excited moment. And <laughs> now you're triggering them to be angry. So <laughs> most likely they're not listening to the show because <laughs> they're not Fair. really movie fans. <laughs> I'm really triggering if they are. Collateral cats and dogs. Collateral. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, it's great. I'm I've not seen the College Admission scandal. 
Not seen that for sure. I have seen that, but it's not a movie. <laughs> uh, Predator, Escape from L.A. Predator. My brother insists I need to rewatch that, and it's better than I thought. I don't know. I can't really. That's I, I, not a movie. Yeah. No. John Wick Chapter Two: A Simple Plan. John Wick Chapter Two: but A Simple Plan is really good, though. I haven't seen it, but I'll go with you. I do love Simple Plan. Be cool, Jarhead. Jarhead. Be cool sucked. The Goonies Trader. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what Trader is, but I probably like it more than Goonies. Really? <laughs> I'm not a fan of Goonies. I'm not either, I, but I, the fact that I know I, what it is is <laughs> why I was going to go with it. <laughs> I, I actually kind of really have a vague remembrance of, of Trader because John, Don Cheadle's good in it. All right, I'll flip for it. But Don Cheadle's good in just about anything. Don Cheadle wins. Stigmata, the Karate Kid Part 3. Karate Kid 3. Stigmata sucks. I really love Karate Kid 3. This is interesting. United 93, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> it just, I, man, my brain, I'm, I would, I'm the worst human being in the world. You know why I'm the worst human being in the world? Because the first thing that came to my head was, which is the bigger disaster? I was, con- I was trying to combine the two movies. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... Uh, anyway, yeah, I apologize for that joke. I've, you, you can cancel me. It's at Podcast Sean on Twitter. Um, United 93 is not the obvious choice. It's the better film. It's just I still have such a weird relationship to that movie. It's so bizarre. Is the It's such a, like, the actual guy who closed the American airspace on 9-11 is in the movie reenacting what he did that day. And meanwhile, we're sitting in an audience that are just chomping on popcorn and drinking pop, watching a full-on reenactment of September 11th. It was so weird. It's still so weird to watch that movie. Right. It's... You wonder if it needs to exist. Uh, Yeah. At the same time, it's horrifying, and it brings you back there, and... It's well made. I, I don't it's, know. Not, it's, it's not the movie's fault that we're just that weird of a country that we treat nine eleven like a like a fucking action movie. Like, and fucking everything like an action movie. <laughs> it, yeah, Paul Greengrass did not have that intent when he made the movie. He just no. wanted to make the most realistic reenactment of nine eleven he could make, and we treated it like it was just an everyday movie. Right. Because we're a bunch of assholes and. <laughs> <laughs> the studio or the studio definitely are a bunch of assholes we thought it'd be a great idea let's have that movie playing next to a tyler perry movie because that's that's normal <laughs> like it's the other things that were in theaters that weekend i don't remember exactly what they were but it's just weird to have you know perfect reenactment of september 11th medea goes to jail or some shit like that right yeah it, it's uh It was four years. It was four years after September 11th. We're sitting there watching this movie like that. That's just so fucking weird. And even, I mean, I, I don't blame Paul Greengrass because I think we're worse than he was. But he, too, oh, you know, the fact that he was making it was still kind of a 
there's a little bit of that in his head. I mean, it, it's just a human nature, that, especially in this country, that we all go there. I, I don't know. It's uh, kind of had to. He kind of had to know that this was how this going to go. Right. And the fact that he wanted to make it has a little bit of that in his head too. Uh, anyway, <laughs> have you seen homeless hair? No, I, I mean, I probably have, but I don't think it's an actual movie. Yeah. Triple X State of the Union Scrooged. So Scrooged. Yeah. The Music Box. I'm not seeing that one. Uh, let's see here. Maybe there's nothing after this. Wow, the other one disappeared too. This is for the YouTube people at home. You're getting a good show on my internet. That is a good thing. I, while I am downsizing, I will have better internet where I go. So oh, this good. could get could be a better show. <laughs> uh, hopefully, the acoustics are better as well. Uh, Free Willy, Scary Movie Three. Uh, Free Willy, Scary Movie Three is the first one where they truly go off the rails. Like Scary Two is bad too, but like not as bad. Yeah, I never really got into the scary movies. Not that I love Free Willy either, but... Um, I don't love it either, but... By the time they got to the third one, though, it was all downhill. Rush Hour, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark for me. Yeah, I'm indifferent on both. So I'll go with you. Drawing Blood or There Will Be Blood? Uh, I'm not a fan. I don't know what Drawing Blood is. I've not seen that one. Best in Show, There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood. Fine. <laughs> Mad Max Battling Butler. I'm not seeing the Battling Butler. Although I'm reading a book about Buster Keaton. Mad Max Smoking the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, you get to see. I don't care for either one of them, though. But you get to see Smokey sooner than you get to see Mad Max in his. Exactly. Life. Be Cool Room. Room by a lot. Clueless Jumanji. Clueless. Agreed. Four Brothers Prometheus. Four Brothers. That's fine. <laughs> uh, the Muppets, 2011, or Dune, 84. The Muppets. Agreed. Half-Baked, Deep Blue Sea. Half-Baked. It's before Chappelle turned into a hack. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Tombstone. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Even as good as Tombstone is, that one's an all-time classic. It's by a lot, and Tombstone's good. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <crazy>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Flight of the Navigator, Gandhi. Oh, God. Uh. <laughs> Fishing with Gandhi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and on that... All right, we'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Bye.